Hello, and welcome to Notes on the Week Ahead, a JP Morgan Asset Management podcast that gives you insights on the markets and economy to help you stay informed for the week ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at JP Morgan Funds. Today is July 25th, 2022. When engaged in the more mundane tasks of my job, I often have classical music playing in the background. A piano concerto in the hands of a great orchestra and soloist is a delight to the ears as the rush and energy of the first movement gives way to the softer pace of the second. And when the conductor downshifts the tempo, the musicians follow with effortless precision. If only the American economy were so easy to conduct. This week, the Federal Reserve's Federal Open Market Committee is widely expected to raise the federal funds rate by 0.75%. As they do so, they will likely send stern messages about how the current rate of inflation remains unacceptably high. However, they must be equally aware that economic growth is in the midst of a sharp slowdown and inflation readings look set to follow suit. This is, of course, something they've been trying to orchestrate all year, using the blunt instruments of monetary tightening. However, whether the economy can smoothly transition from Allegro to Adagio is very much in doubt and depends both on the current state of the economy and how the Fed conducts policy from here. So as the FOMC meets for a fifth time this year, what's the economic backdrop? How is the Fed likely to react to it? And what does all of this mean for investors? The current economic situation can be summarized in terms of growth, jobs, inflation, profits, overseas activity, and the position of the dollar. On economic growth, there are plenty of signs of both a current slowdown and future drags. Real GDP fell by 1.6% annualized in the first quarter, and the Atlanta Fed's tracking model is currently forecasting another 1.6% decline in the second quarter. Our own forecasts are a little bit more optimistic at 0.9% positive, while consensus is currently looking for a 0.5% gain. Wednesday's numbers in international trade and goods and retail and wholesale inventories should narrow the range of these forecasts. However, it's worth emphasizing that under any of these projections, real GDP will have declined in the first half of this year. Unfortunately, prospects for growth in the second half also look bleak. In particular, the federal budget deficit continues to decline, down a whopping 77% year-over-year for the first nine months of the fiscal year. This reflects the end of a wide variety of pandemic assistance that is squeezing the budgets of low- and middle-income consumers and likely contributing to a second consecutive decline in real retail sales in June. This is likely to continue later this year, with real consumer spending growing by between 1% and 2% annualized at best. Home building and home buying will also likely slow, given a surge in 30-year fixed-rate mortgage rates from 3.11% at the end of 2021 to 5.54% last week, and a sharp decline in the National Association of Home Builders Index in July. Exports will also be slow, due to weak economic growth in China and Europe, and a much higher dollar, which has risen 11% year-to-date and is close to its highest levels since the mid-1980s in real terms. Overall, we estimate that economic growth will average just half a percent annualized over the second half of this year. This would put real GDP up just one-tenth of one percent year-over-year by the fourth quarter of 2022, and 2.3% year-over-year by the fourth quarter of 2023, compared to the Fed's June forecast of 1.7% year-over-year growth for both periods. Employment growth, and in particular the unemployment rate, tend to be lagging indicators in the economic cycle. This is likely to be even more the case this time around due to the massive excess demand for labor entering the current slowdown. That being said, initial unemployment claims have been rising steadily since mid-March, while continuing claims have been climbing since mid-May. We expect that slower economic growth will eventually translate into weaker job gains, with payroll employment growing by less than 100,000 per month in 2023. 
The unemployment rate, currently at 3.6%, could still edge down to 3.5% by the fourth quarter due to very weak labour supply and the lagged impact of excess labour demand before slowly climbing in 2023. However, there's a growing risk that unemployment could begin to rise more quickly. Incidentally, the persistence of job growth in 2022, even as GDP growth has slowed to a crawl, removes the last of the pandemic productivity bump. We now estimate that real GDP per worker will have increased at a 1.0% annualized rate from the fourth quarter of 2019 to the fourth quarter of 2022, slightly lower than the 1.2% pace observed over the prior 20 years. On inflation, after a US heat wave, we believe that a cold front is now moving through. According to AAA, the national average price for a gallon of gasoline fell to $4.37 on July 24th, down 65 cents from a peak of $5.02 on June 14th. We're also seeing broad declines in commodity prices, with the Bloomberg Commodity Index now down 15% from its peak on June 9th. In addition, airline fares appear to have fallen in July, while recent declines in wholesale used vehicle prices could translate into a decline in retail prices in July. Given all of this, we expect headline CPI to grow by roughly one-tenth of a percent in both July and August, compared to the mammoth increases of 1.0% and 1.3% in May and June, respectively. We estimate that year-over-year headline consumption deflation inflation will peak at 6.8% in the June reading due out on Friday, and fall to 5.1% by the fourth quarter of 2022 and 2.1% by the fourth quarter of 2023, compared to the Federal Reserve's forecasts of 5.2% and 2.6% over the same periods. All of this suggests a challenging environment for profits. Early results for the second quarter earnings season are mediocre in terms of positive and negative surprises, but still suggest a 4.5% year-over-year gain for the quarter. However, in the balance of 2022, slower nominal GDP growth, higher wage costs and higher interest rates should be a significant drag on earnings, and 2022 as a whole could see a small decline in operating earnings. Modest earnings growth should resume in 2023, as wage growth and interest rates stabilize. The Federal Reserve should also be acutely aware of the slowdown emerging around the world. Last week's flash PMI readings for the US, the UK, the Eurozone and Japan made dismal reading and suggested the final global composite PMI index for July, due out in early August, could fall to its lowest level since the early months of the pandemic. Chinese PMI data helped boost the index in June, and might do so again in July. However, it is clear that just as the Ukraine war and commodity price shocks are hurting Europe, attempts to control the spread of COVID-19 are continuing to drag on growth in China and elsewhere in East Asia. Finally, the Federal Reserve should be aware of the impact of its newly hawkish policy on the US dollar, which, as mentioned earlier, is up 11% year-to-date and close to its highest level in real terms in almost 40 years. Some of this strength could abate in the months ahead, partly reflecting more hawkish monetary policy overseas. The European Central Bank raised its deposit rate by half a percent last week in a more aggressive move than widely expected, and the Bank of England appears set to raise its bank rate by half a percent also in early August in a sixth consecutive hiking move. However, both the Bank of Japan and the People's Bank of China are maintaining a much more dovish policy, likely limiting any significant dollar slide until the Federal Reserve relents on its currently hawkish plans. This change of heart and change in messaging is unlikely to emerge from the FOMC meeting on Wednesday. While both the FOMC statement and Chairman Powell's press conference will likely acknowledge a recent weakening in economic momentum, the Fed will likely feel the need to appear resolute in battling inflation until there are clear signs that it is abating. Having raised rates by 0.25, 0.50 and 0.75% over the past three meetings, we expect them to raise rates by 0.75% again this week.
However, by their next meeting in September, they should have seen a weak second quarter GDP report, along with two moderate reports on CPI inflation for July and August. This, along with further signs of cooler inflation and slowing growth, could cause them to moderate their path, hiking the federal funds rate by just half a percent in September and a quarter of a percent in November. This would boost the federal funds rate to a range of 3 to 3.25%, exactly 3% higher than at the start of this year. And the Fed could hold rates at this level in December and throughout 2023, provided the economy does not fall into actual recession. We also expect them to continue to reduce their balance sheet by up to $95 billion per month from September 22 on. It is now clear that there is only a narrow economic path that will keep both the economy growing and allow for gradual downshift in inflation at a pace that is acceptable to the Federal Reserve. However, for investors, despite this uncertainty and significant losses in both stock and bond markets so far this year, this can be a time of opportunity. Valuations on U.S. growth stocks now look much more reasonable than at the start of the year, while both U.S. value stocks and international equities look relatively cheap from a historical perspective. If we assume the Federal Reserve will eventually have to pivot to a less hawkish stance, long-duration fixed income looks more attractive than it has for some time and offers protection if the economy does stumble into recession. In addition, a less aggressive Federal Reserve could lead to a decline in the dollar from its currently very high level, boosting both profits from overseas for U.S. companies and the dollar value of international securities. Even if the U.S. economy doesn't exactly follow the Federal Reserve's wishes in the short run and stumbles into recession, Such a recession should be relatively short and mild, and could firmly squash remaining inflation pressures. In its aftermath, the US and global economies could re-emerge into an environment of slow growth, low inflation, and once again low interest rates, benefiting both stocks and bonds. At a time when investors, like consumers, are in an exceedingly sour mood, it's important to position portfolios not just to weather short-term turmoil, but to benefit from more favorable conditions in the long run. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content is intended for information only based on assumptions and current market conditions and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate, including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide.